Hello and welcome to the Green Industry Podcast. This show is all about helping lawn care and landscape professionals take your business to the next level. Your host, Paul, is the best-selling author of Cut That Grass and Make That Cash and the brand new book, Best Business Practices for Landscapers, now available on Audible. Here's your host, Paul Jameson. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to today's program. I recently was listening to the Fullerton Unfiltered podcast and heard Paul and his Rhode Island accent. And I was like, we got to bring you on to the program. It was awesome content over there. So, Paul Kamara, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Paul. Appreciate it. Yeah, so I've been following you on the Instagram for quite a while and, and just uh, really appreciative of the attention to detail and the quality of your work. And as you shared on the Fullerton Unfiltered podcast, not only is the the depth of your expertise in the quality of the work, but also in the business side of things. So tell us a little bit about your story. I guess what, uh, you know, I'm a third generation landscaper. My grandfather owned his own business. My father did as well. Um, 2000, I went on my own, uh, at a point that my dad wanted to downsize the business. He wasn't feeling very well and just wanted to, uh, semi-retire and he wanted to go more into the stone masonry side of the business that we had, which, uh, I wasn't a part of that much anymore and wanted me to transition into that, which I didn't want to do. So he offered to me to buy the landscaping side of the business back then in 2000, in which I did. So my business is um, partially, uh, um, the old, my father's business. Um, but unfortunately wasn't given to me like many, <laughs> many can be. So yeah, that's, that's the, the, the short story. Uh, so third generation and, uh, since 18 years old, I've been in the field. I'm 48 right now. So 30 years in the field, I've never wow. been in office. I've never been an office guy, um, so I've I've spent all of those years um, uh, either either you know planting, pruning, cutting something in in along those lines, plowing up until a certain amount of time as well. And before that, uh, in my father's business on the weekends and Saturdays and um, summertime was was doing stonework and brick facias of houses and chimneys and things like that. So, uh, yeah, it's been a long time, I guess. Absolutely. Well, we have a lot to unpack 30 years worth of landscaping. So thanks to today's show sponsors, Gulf Coast Bookkeeping and GPS Track It, uh, making all this possible. And uh, Paul, I guess I'm fascinated in those early years uh, back at age 18, uh, you get started. Did you, uh, think, man, 30 years from now, you know, this is what I want to continue to be doing, or was it just a little, uh, you know, money for a teenager? What was your mentality back when you originated in the industry? It was, my mind was always from the point of being a little kid in my father's business, knowing I was going to run his business. That was, there was no question in my mind back then. I loved the trucks. I loved the equipment. I loved the work. I loved the, um, I don't know what's the what's the the pride in the workmanship that we had back then. I guess that's it. The accolades you got from the customers. I mean, it was just something that I didn't see myself doing anything other than that. And it was funny because my teachers in high school and you know through school knew that this is what I was going to do. Matter of fact, we had friends friendships with teachers that we would go bring 
plants too and mulch too. My father would get them for him and everything. So, you know, it was, it always was what I wanted to do. Absolutely. Okay. So how much did your father groom you on the skill, on the understanding, the number side of the business and how much of that did you kind of learn as you took ownership of the business? My, my father was an old school kind of a teacher, not quite like you would think of a, a teacher would be. I've never, I've had many mentors and many teachers in my life, but an old school way was you just watched. You didn't ask questions. So that's why it really took a lot longer to learn things. My father didn't, if you would say, oh, dad, you know, uh, what, what did you do here? How do you do that? He'd look at you and say, just watch. And that, that, that was the hard part about learning. Like we, I had a lot of old guys working, old Portuguese guys working. My father's a first generation immigrant. So um, it wasn't to say that, you know, he, he, he wasn't Americanized. So that, that old school European work, work ethic uh, and way of teaching is totally different than anything here. It's hard to explain. Like if we're doing stone work and I would be watching him and I'd put a stone in, He'd look at it. You could see in his face that he wasn't happy with it. I said, what is it? He just doesn't, it doesn't mean it's supposed to be there. And then I'd look at what he meant, trying to figure out what he meant by that. And he would have to learn that way. Like, it was more of a, you know, figure it out, kid. And uh, it was on purpose. It wasn't nothing. He didn't want to give you the answers. And nobody, none of the people that I've had, geez, I've had so many mentors, older gentlemen in my life, None of them just gave you the answer. They made you figure it out. And, and it's a bad thing, and it's actually a really good thing at the same time. How old were you, Paul, when you realized that you actually enjoyed the satisfaction of being in the field and making something look nice and the customer appreciating that? And I'm familiar with that exhilaration and kind of ecstasy feeling of, you know, man, you stand back and you're like, this looks fantastic. Then the customer's praising you. And it's a, it's a genuine satisfaction. Uh, when did you realize you want that? That was the end game. You didn't want to be managing crews in an air conditioning office, but you wanted to be actually out there making things look beautiful. It, it was right from the start. It, there was no, I mean, I don't remember not having that because I was going to work with my grandfather, spending the day with my grandfather and father on the job at five, six years old. They were like my daycare. So I, I don't remember a point, and they were all workers. None of them were office people. Mm-hmm. My grandfather was a stonemason until he retired. And um, so, you know, actually that office business um, kind of owner was looked down upon in my family. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even an option, I guess. I mean, you were a worker. That's, that's where you got respect. And um, I kind of got that bug, geez, um, very early on. I can't even give you an age. Prior to 18, for sure. Prior to 18, for sure. I think it's fascinating, Paul, as uh, there's a hardscaper named Andy Mulder, and that's how he's modeled his business where he wants to be in the field. He wants to put that last paver in and and be monitoring the job throughout the day. You have the same flavor, but that's an oddity in this industry. Most guys are looking to be the general manager, so to speak, to, to be the quarterback and, and have everything running. So what would you say to a guy who's just uh, planning to start his business, maybe the spring of 2022 uh, about this business model? Well, well, Paul, you know, I, I don't, I don't 
advocate for this pro- this model, nor do I try to talk people away from it. But what I what I say and what I think is a person has to know themselves. Um, if you enjoy that thing, if you're a tradesman, you're a craftsman, and you enjoy the actual hands-on work, then do it. Enjoy it. Hire the people that have to do the other kind of work for you if you want to grow. I know a fencing company locally. He's older than me. I mean, he's probably nearing 60 years old. And it's a large company. And he, and he has an office staff. He has a pricing staff. He has an, you know, an estimating sales staff. But he goes out and he puts the fence in. And, you know, it's, it's all about doing what you really want to do. And, and being out in the field is what I want to do. In 2006, I attempted the growth. You know, we did grow. We grew into, you know, more than one crew. And I was miserable. I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy the fact that people were complaining. I didn't enjoy the fact that work wasn't getting done promptly and, and well done. So I, I discarded that, that, that business model for me. Now, I, I, a, lot, a lot of younger people in my area will come and say, I want to do it like you. I want to do it like you. Only if you really want to do it like me. This isn't an easy, this isn't easier. This is sometimes in most cases, in a lot of cases, actually harder because it's harder on your body. So um, I don't advocate for it, but I also love to see younger people that have that tradesman's or craftsman's mindset that do it the way I, the way we do it. Yeah. Uh, but to actually tell people this is what you have to do. No, it, it, it really isn't. There isn't any real Paul. There really isn't any one way to do anything. There just isn't. Um, you can take advice. You can listen to the podcast. You can listen, read books. And you take away the things that fit you. And if I say something, if I do something that makes a person um, say, I want to do it like that, then, then, then great. You know, how have you seen the industry develop or change over these last 30 years? It's, it's changed quite a bit. And, and you, you talk 30 years, but it's actually, you know, I'm, I'm nearing 50 years old and I've, and I've been really into my father and grandfather's business since I was a little kid. Now, my grandfather's business was strictly the, um, the wealthy people. Back then in the 50s and 60s, well, actually 60s, um, landscaping wasn't like it is today that, you know, the middle class have landscapers, the elderly have landscapers. You know, everybody has someone cutting their grass. Back then it was only the wealthy that had that. It was a luxury item. It's real luxury item. And what I've seen is, you know, the, 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 a big portion of the market is going towards the middle class. And what happens with the middle class is, is it drives the prices down. And the prices just aren't going up as well as they should be. Now, that might, might change in the future with everything that's happening, but um, it, it didn't go up the way it should have been. Now, I said, said something to this on the other podcast. You know, we did a property when I was 18 years old. Um, I remember working for my dad and my dad sending the bills out at $30 a yard. For mowing, mowing property, we would mow it with a lawn boy, twenty-one inch mower. There wasn't, it wasn't big enough actually to put a big mower on it, and it was a thirty-dollar mower. Mow. Now I know of uh, properties in that neighborhood, similar to that one, that guys are cutting at thirty-five, thirty, forty dollars. Wow. Now, is thirty years ago. What happened in the interim? What happened? That is the biggest problem. The prices didn't go up. What a lot of guys, and I mentioned this, is people were buying. 
bigger mowers, they're doing it faster and they think they're making money. They didn't accommodate for the purchase of the equipment, the rise in payroll. They just didn't accommodate for that. And that was the biggest thing in our area that we saw that I see um, that just didn't recover was the price. So what do you say? And I, I know Brian referenced the Troy Clog example. I actually talked to Troy about this as well 40 years ago. You know, he's been in this for 40 years and he said the same thing in Michigan. He's like, this is a $30 cut. Here you go. Uh, four decades later, and the price of a truck, let's say $17,000 for a brand new pickup truck in the eight, nine, pardon me, 1980s, now it's $50,000. And everything else has gone up. The insurance has gone up and the mowers and you name it. It's all gone up in between three and four times, but the price has only went up minimally, not not even close to inflation. And so what what's the solution, Paul, for guys just getting started? It, it sounds like it's near impossible to have lasting success in this industry what what's your solution oh i oh i don't i don't believe that there's no that it's impossible to have lasting success i I don't i don't i'm not that pessimistic what i believe is that there is a group of younger guys and and part-time guys and you know guys that do this that can do it that way fine no problem what i advocate for is specialization doing better work becoming more of a um uh, less of a commodity because being a commodity in this business is going to keep you down at those $30 mowing, mowing rates, $25 mowing rates. So specializing into doing better work, working for better clients and always, uh, you know, making yourself more specialized so that you can charge more, that you're more in demand. And, um, you have to get out of that, 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 you know, spinning tires in the mud at that lower end um it's easy work it's fast work if you can and a lot of guys too they end up saying and this is the argument if i can do 20 20 or 20 30 lawns i'm still making a lot of money well yeah that's fine but with two or three of them move away or someone dies you're stuck with the with the rest of them it's not a good business model in my my estimation what have you found as those specializations to charge a uh, top dollar? There's, there's a few. I mean, there's, there's lawn care, um, meaning, I'm sorry, lawn care is a fat, is a fat um, fertilization, um, lawn spraying or lawn fertilization. That, that is, a, that's a special, specialized field. Um, specializing in horticultural services like fine gardening, taking care of plants, pruning, um, taking care of larger estate properties. And sometimes, you know, some pro- some areas don't have the wealthy areas in them, but there's always a market for people that want their properties to look nice. And making it hard for your customer to fire you. Uh, let's see, what's the best way of saying this? Um, so you have a customer, you're a commodity, you're doing the same amount of work, same kind of work that the guy before you does. If you raise yours by $5, they can go find someone else for less than $5. That's a commodity. What you need to do, like what I did today, I mean, this is just an outside um, example, stupid example. We were pruning on a property. Notice the grass was wet in a certain area. Asked the customer to turn the system on, sprinkle system on from his phone. We found out there was a geyser in the yard. He didn't know about it. No one else knew about it, but I found it. That raises your your um, stock 
in that person's eye. So you can raise the person's price a little bit incrementally and you won't lose that customer because it's harder for him to get someone else to, to replace you because you are worth more. Your value is higher. Um, I think that's one of the keys is just to be better than the next guy. What do you think the best way? I, I, I listen to so many podcasts, Paul. I think it might have even been you we're talking about when the customer comes out and you're they're asking you about a tree or a plant and you're just winging it because you want to sound intelligent, but you really don't know, you know, is, is that an azalea or or is that, you know, a Bradford pear? You don't know. And you're just you, you want to sound yeah. like you're confident. You're 18, 19, right. 20 years old and you just you have enthusiasm. But a lot yep. of these guys lack actual skill and education. What's the best way to. I mean, I'm talking, I talk to these kids all the time, Paul, their enthusiasm is at 10. They'll, they'll go out there and do anything, but they I really talk, don't have it. Go ahead. Absolutely. I talk to, I talk to a lot of younger guys as well. And it, it's a matter of sitting down and taking a business, for, for, you know, uh, seriously learn, you know, you, you have to take what you're doing seriously. People go to college, people spend money to go to college every year to come out with a degree that really doesn't help them spend the time to learn your business. Spend the time to learn your specialty. Learn the plants. I mean, in all actuality, in every area, it's very repetitive, the plants that you're dealing with. It's repetitive. I mean, there are some special plants. and this is, But as you see in a plant, with today's technology, you have a supercomputer in your hand. There's only there's a few questions you can ask your, your, your phone that'll pop up the answer to every plant that's on that person's property. There's actual apps that you can take a picture of, of a leaf and it'll tell you what the plan is. Um, it, to me, it's lazy to say that uh, um, that the, that a person can't figure this out. There are land, there are landscape nursery associations in every state. A lot of them run certification courses. Take them. Community college also has certification courses. Take them. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, getting a mentor in the nursery, so you know nursery businesses. There, there are, there's so many ways to gain knowledge. It's out there. And there are so many older guys that are in the business that love to pass on knowledge to younger people. Um, there are the few curmudgeons out there that don't want to give it up. But for the most part, people want to see other people do well. Um, and it's just lazy to just stay on a lawnmower and not learn something new every single day. Um, and that might sound a little harsh, but I was there. and. Um, you know, I had people around me that had better properties than I did. And I watched what they were doing and you learned to, to do things better. And it's all, all about just working hard, man. Absolutely. Well, Paul, one of the number one questions that we get around here, and I'm curious of your answer. I know I underestimated when I said 30 years in the industry, you know, that was calculating starting oh, at 18, but well, you're right. 30 years full time. But yeah, I spend my life in the full Well, my, my point is we're listening to you. You you got the experience. So how do you price a job at a way that's going to be profitable? What's What are you calculating when a customer calls you up or walks over if you're working on their neighbor's property and says, hey, Paul, can you come give me a quote? What's your procedure? What's your um, calculations, mindset, how do you present a number where you're not just winging it, but it's calculated? And what are you calculating into that price you're going to give them? Well, you, you have to know, I'm, I'm an old schooler. 
I try to keep my pricing as simple as possible. Um, but everything comes down to time and material. How long is it going to take me to do the job? What's my cost per hour per man? What's my profit margins? And how much am I? And how, what do I need for material? It really try. I try, try to keep it as simple as possible, and and go from there. It, it's you, you just have to. What, what I would recommend, and I've recommended many many people before, if you're working for somebody now, or if you're in your own business, to time yourself on every aspect of the work that you do every aspect mowing edging beds planting a tree planting things and write the stuff down have a notebook with you or put it in your phone your ipad whatever you can do but keep a journal of how long it takes you to do tasks because once you have that in in the, the the um once you have that that information that helps you do pricing in the future for time um, and then after that, it, you know, your material, knowing your profit margin on your material, what you can get, what you can't get, you know, knowing your, the area that you work in and what the acceptable costs are. Now I say that tentatively, you don't price your job to what other people price their jobs at. Um, but to know what your competition is pricing at is a good thing to know as well. Just, you know, depending on how much you want the job for. But it all comes down to your price, your hourly rate, how long, you know, how accurate that is when it comes to how long it takes you to do certain jobs. Um, that's what I would say first, first and foremost. What's your tip to getting into those affluent neighborhoods? I know my, actually, my parents were just in Rhode Island on vacation and I called them and uh, they were telling me how there's all these houses up there that are just old money and, and very extravagant and all of that. And I actually was thinking about you. I was like, yeah, Paul's probably out there in the garden. But um, they were really impressed. That was their first time ever going up, up there. Uh, they had a yep. wedding in the area, and then they, they actually made a week-long vacation of it. GPS Track, it makes managing your driver, vehicles, and equipment assets simple with the latest technology and personalized, friendly customer support for service businesses of all sizes. With GPS Track, it, you get a real-time view of where your fleet vehicles are around the clock helping improve route density and operate more efficiently. GPS Track, it has been delivering peace of mind for over 12,000 customers in lawn and landscaping, and they've been doing it for over 20 years. Are you ready to protect your fleet, save money, and cut down on fuel costs? Call 844-996-2518 to speak with a knowledgeable fleet advisor. No pressure, no hassles, low monthly fees, and no contracts. 844-996-2518 or visit greenindustrypodcast.com slash GPS track it. Do you come home ready to relax after a hard day's work and find that your bookkeeping demands your time? Truth be told, you can't give it your full energy or focus. It just sits there most nights untouched, continually haunting you. It's costing you good decision-making and your peace of mind. Gulf Coast Bookkeeping provides a bookkeeping solution to landscapers that is guaranteed to give you back your time and your peace of mind. You can begin this partnership with us today by going to gulfcoastbk.com and scheduling a 15-minute call. Don't trick yourself into thinking you can handle it all. It won't be long before you're saying no to new clients or skipping dinner with your family and friends all because your bookkeeping needs are unfinished. 
Let us take care of your green so you can take care of theirs. Schedule a 15-minute call today at gulfcoastbk.com. But how did you get connected with those wealthy clientele? Well, the funny thing about the wealthy clientele is that you can't market to them. It's impossible. They don't go to the penny saver. They don't look at their mail to look at, you know, cards in the mail. The thing is you have to, you got to have a network. You have to have people that know people. And that, that usually comes with time and with experience, but you, ha- you have to form a great network. Like for me, I, I can help other people. Cause I was helped by landscape architects. I was helped by landscape nurseries, um, designers. But once those people in were, were designing a landscape for these people, then they would recommend me as the person to take, to care for it. That's then my father also had his own contacts back then as well. So we, we, it was, you know, through the years. So this isn't something that gets done in a year or two that you gain contacts. This is patience. The business is like, you know, it's not a, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. So you have to gain these contacts, keep them happy. And then, I become a contact to someone else, like, um, you know, for my irrigation people or my um, tree and healthcare people. I become their contact because I bring them onto these properties. So um, networking, I believe in networking. I believe in becoming part of different associations, different um, groups, things, just, just knowing as many people that you can that know someone else, really. That's the biggest thing for that. How do you there's no marketing tool? Okay. Now switching from the customer, it sounds like you have a good team around you of subcontractors with the tree guy, the irrigation folks. Absolutely. How did you um how did you come across those relationships where you can have guys that you can trust to be on your customer's property and take care of things? Well, you you have to do your due diligence and see the kind of work that they do. I like dealing with owner operators. I'm an owner operator myself. I go out, I have a crew of guys, don't get me wrong, but I'm out there with them. I like similar people. So my my lawn fertilization guy, he's an owner-operator. He's probably, probably in my area, the best guy in the area, in Rhode Island. Um, he's well-known, but he's small. He's very discerning on the work that he takes on, and um, I'm lucky and happy enough to have him at the end of my phone. Um, the tree and shrub guy that I, that I deal with and also does some of my fertilization is on Instagram. It's greeneries. And he is, he's a guru. He just knows. I mean, if you ever look him up, go on Instagram, that's all he does on Instagram is show people how to find insects, um, fungi, fungus, disease and plant, lawn problems. He's just wants to share his knowledge and he just, he's, he's just a, you know, a vast um, amount of knowledge that he has is unbelievable. Same thing with irrigation. We have it, one of the best irrigation companies out there. Um, you, you just try to find the best. You don't hire your friend. You don't hire your buddy. You don't try to be a nice guy. Because it, it, though you, it's a good thing to do that, They, if they don't have your, you know, what you want, then you can't. They, they, they'll end up ruining your relationship with them. I mean, I, I've tried giving work to friends and they end up disappointing. So you just look for the best 
um, befriend them, offer them work, and um, go from there. Yeah, that's one thing that I'm very proud of is my network and group of people that we work with. They're just the best, and I make them look like a hero. They make me look like a hero, and everybody's happy. That is very, very well said, Paul. I think that's very sound advice. I'm curious uh, what you got planned for uh, the GIE. Are you going to this year's trade show? Uh, I waited too long to um, <laughs> to uh, to pull the trigger. And as I went, I went uh, this weekend looking, and there's not really a lot of places around. And I might have waited too long, so uh, I'm not promising I'm going to it. I'm still trying, but it doesn't look too good for me. So we're figuring it all out. Okay. Yeah, I tell guys all the time who listen to my podcast, you you gotta get you gotta get in early because you got twenty, thirty thousand people coming into a little city, and no, you're absolutely right. There, every single hotel room is going to get filled up. And a lot of the, you know, these are big pockets, these companies that, you know, are billion dollar companies or hundreds of million dollar company. And they, they bring, you know, 20, 30, 40 people and they block off whole floors of hotels and, and sure. uh, well in advance. And so there's, it's a supply and demand. There's uh, not that much availability. So yeah, no, it was definitely something that I wanted to do. There was just, you know, th- there's the diehard guys. They're going to do it no matter what. Um, I was, I was on the fence because of, you know, the way things are and everything like that. So I said, I'll wait, I'll wait, I wait. And, um, unfortunately for me, I, I think I waited maybe a little too long. Um, um, so well, you know, if I, if I don't go bad to me, but if I do, it'll be good. Yeah. I, I do by going. Um, and I may start trying, try again tonight. I might reach out to a couple of contacts that I might have and see if there's anything available. Um, but right now, uh, it's not looking too good for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what Airbnb, uh, I, I, I got my host. This is my first year, uh, staying downtown Louisville. So I got, I got a room reserved and, and we're, you know, the downtown area is by fourth street. Um, yeah. yeah. I, oh, that's where I, I used to stay at the Omni every okay. time I went. Oh, that was great. You just walk to fourth street or, you know, we rented a car and I, I, I go to the, to the show, you know. It was just a great, and that's what I wanted to say. I wanted to stay at the Omni <laughs> again. And I think they wiped out the Omni real quick because there was nothing left there. Oh, yeah, they got they got a, several down there. They got the Marriott, they got the Galt House. Um, th- there's still a few major players in downtown that you could try. But I'm going to look into it a little bit more. I'm, I, I do want to go. Um, I'm going to look into it a little bit more. I, you know, there's so many, so many of the guys that I've met already, but there's so many guys I haven't, I, you know, I never met you. I've never met Brian. I've never met, um, uh, you know, Caleb and, you know, all, all you know, your group, your, your, your great group that you guys have. Um, but, uh, you know, there's nothing, there's not, there's no nicer thing to do is to meet one of you guys. Or it's even, even nicer when someone comes and says, you know, you Paul Kamara. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about that for a moment. At what point, you know, when you started really doing this back in 2000, the, um, I, I think Google started in 1998. And so you're, yep, you're yep. starting right around when the internet was starting and, uh, yeah. you know, Instagram wasn't even a thing. I think that started in 2012 and it hasn't really recently caught on to like 2016, yep. 2017. So how did Instagram, uh, play into your business? At what point did you're like, Hey, I'm going to start sharing the portfolio of my work and, um, yeah. expertise on Instagram. Tell us the Instagram story. Paul, Paul, I, I'm the Forrest Gump of Instagram. I am not technologically advanced. I don't know 
I don't know what I'm doing out there. All I knew is that a friend of mine in, I think, 09 forced me to become a Facebook guy. You know, you got to get on Facebook. Got to get on Facebook. Fine. Went on Facebook. Uh, and I became friendly with some people in Facebook groups for lawn care, namely um, a lot of guys from overseas, um, John Ryan and uh, a bunch of the guys, YouTuber guys and stuff from that side of the, the, the pond. And I got to know a few guys around here too. And, um, you know, I don't even, didn't even know what I was doing there, but I'd post a picture in the group and they thought it was pretty cool. And, you know, they started talking and saying, they said, you got to get on Instagram. And this was a few years ago, a couple of, uh, maybe three years ago. I don't remember when. And I didn't even know what Instagram was. So I think it was either John or one of the guys explained to me what to do. And I put up a couple of pictures there and it kind of started growing. Um, not knowing what it didn't have any intention, didn't, I don't, I, I'll be honest with you, but I don't have telephone numbers on my trucks. I don't have a website. I didn't want to grow my business. And that's why I have it under my name. Mm-hmm. I didn't want it under Spring Green Landscaping because I can't do more work than I already do. Um, so that's why I put it under my name. But it was completely a Forrest Gump situation where the, you know, I just got lucky, uh, you know, and, and posted some pictures on there and it started to go. And, um, I think I told Brian this and I'll tell you the same thing. It's, you know, you, you, once you get a younger guy um, coming into the business, telling you that you're getting, that he's being inspired by the work you're doing. And then he sends you pictures of work mm-hmm. that's really good and saying that it's because you taught him or you, you know, people like you do, I'm sure you'll get a, in a message saying, you know, what kind of plant is this? So how do you do that? And, I'm open to always explain it. And then they send you the picture of the work they did. And it really came out good. And that kind of got me feeling that this is something good, that this, um, I guess they call the landscape community or lawn care community is, is actually good for something. And that's helping people either get better in their business, get better in their trade. They're, you know, and um, I'm happy to help that way. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a beautiful community and it's really inspiring. I think it's the iron and sharpen and iron where you showcase, you know, like look, look at this edge, look at this yeah. work I just did and you show off the the quality. I mean, you're, you're, you're highlighting excellence and then someone else in another state or, you know, John Ryan's case in another country. Hey, look right. at my, look at my work, whether it's a, a lot of guys with stripes, it's really hard to stripe lawns down here where we have warm, yeah, yeah. warm season yeah. grass. So it's like, I, I want to get in the stripe game it's just unless you have a real mower on some bermuda it's 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 a different monster down here versus the cool season turf but i love folks showing off the quality of their work because it's just it makes the industry better and um it's beautiful it's not so much showing it off i didn't really know what i was doing it really wasn't showing off it was more like i said the the first few pictures i did because it was pictures you know just to say i had to think and it, it was more of you know, someone out there is, is appreciating this photo and um, going to try it on their customer. They're going to try to do this this way. And that was just special to me. That just, I had these great older mentors. I know I talked about them already, but I had these great older guys that I was inspired by. And, you know, what they taught me and, and, and how they taught me and, and just gave me that, that, that need to do work better than the next guy. If that is 
you know, an older way of doing it and this is a newer way of doing it, then I'll do it this way. I don't care. You know what I mean? I just want people to do good work. I, I, unfortunately, a lot of, and this, you know, the high quality work is dying in, in, in not just landscaping, in every aspect of our culture. And I like to see people bringing that back. I really, really do. And having pride in their work and putting the time in to learn something instead of not being and being impatient and not doing it well. I, I, I like that. That's me. Well, I am definitely inspired by your commitment to excellence and uh, it definitely oozes and goozes through your Instagram and your posts there. So, Paul, I hope if it works out that uh, we can hang out in Louisville here in a few weeks and uh, for sure we'll see each other on the Instagram. So tell people your handle again uh, so they can follow you on IG. Uh, Paul Kamara, there's a I think there's uh, there's an underscore Paul. Uh, there's an underscore in Kamara, and then there's an underscore. And I got this small little YouTube thing on uh, same name Paul Kamara. It's nothing big, but I have it over there. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm gonna go back on the computer probably later on this evening or maybe tomorrow and try to uh, see if I can find something so I can go there because I I do I enjoy going to, to these things. Well, I really appreciate you taking time after a long day work to uh, join us on the podcast and uh, keep me posted. I'd, I'd love to uh, see you there in Louisville if you can make it happen. I, I I appreciate that, Paul. And I do look forward to meeting you and everybody else out there. So uh, let's get our fingers crossed and hopefully I get there. Yeah. And if you do, what we're going to have a big old uh, dinner on Thursday night, October 21st. It will start at 6 o'clock p.m. And it'll go till about nine or it actually goes way later than that. We just say six to nine. What? Which night is that again? It's going to be Thursday night and it's at a place that's off campus. We didn't want it to be any of the, you know, politics or anything with the show. It's just completely different uh, off campus and it'll probably be five or 600 lawn bros there and uh, completely, completely free dinner. Um, Naylor Tally Fair. Is this the LC? Is this like yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is what we used to do. We used to do it at the caverns. However, the problem is that there's um, you can only have so many people in a cavern these days, and (laughs) we're we're yeah, we're expecting five or six hundred people. So we're going to a new location on Thursday night. It'll be the same thing, um, just hanging out, and then it's cool. a, it's an outdoor venue, and there's indoor. And then at seven thirty, we're going to be giving away um, a PB ninety ten Echo blower, uh, a Skag lawnmower, and uh, the prizes are really nice um, this year wow. as well. Nice. So um, yeah, that's going to be Thursday night at Copper and King, Kings, and, and Naylor took care of all that. So you guys are doing so, and, and you know. Not not to toot your horn or anything, but you guys are doing some some hard work and some good work in the association, and I appreciate what you guys are doing with the podcast and the YouTube and 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 things like that. And um, you know, hats off to you guys for putting the time and effort into all of that, and to be um, inspiring people to not only do good tradesman work, but also be you know knowing your numbers and knowing how to uh, make money as best as you can. So you know, hats off to you guys for that. Well, thank you for the kind words. All right, Paul, we go, go, go surf for a good deal, man. And I hope to see you in Louisville, my friend. I'll try. I'll try. Thank you. All right. Good thank you. you for your time. Good chatting with you. Yep. Bye-bye. See you. Bye.
Well, big thank you to Paul for sharing with us today, guys. I try to surround myself with people who are further along than me in business or other areas of life. Uh, for example, with this podcast, Mr. Producer has been at this for about 40 years. Excellence in broadcasting. We joke around about that, but he really is excellent at broadcasting. And I lean on him to, to teach me, to guide me, uh, to make this show as best as it can possibly be. And to have a guest like Paul Kamara is such a blessing because he's been doing this for over 30 years, actually running a full-time business. And he's learned a lot in those 30 years years. And if we listen to the clues that he leaves behind, then we can avoid a lot of mistakes and uh, really build our businesses to be as profitable as possible, as successful as possible. And so when you get around guys like that, you just got to shut up and listen and take notes. And so I really appreciate Paul uh, kind of leading us the way um, to, to really focus on excellent work, quality work, of course, getting all the numbers tightened up. But um, I, I think he really made the point clear that it is lacking in our culture and our society to do quality work. And if you will be the rare ones that actually do something with excellence, then you will stand out and will be rewarded for it over time. So really encouraging stuff, Paul. And I definitely hope he'll join us at GIE. Thanks again to today's show sponsors, Gulf Coast Bookkeeping and GPS Track It. GPS Track It is actually giving away folks three free months of their fleet management system. And so uh, that software is uh, super easy to navigate where your vehicles are in your business. All you got to do is put the device in the OBD port and then it will sync. And then you can just see where your crews are. Uh, is the vehicle in idle? How fast is it going? And much, much more. Uh, it's called GPS tracking and they want you to try it for free uh, for actually three months and see if it will be a blessing in your business. Well, I don't know if you guys remember when you were a kid hearing that story of, I think it was called Wolf Cries Wolf, or I don't know what it was called. But the premise was the someone would say, hey, there's a wolf, there's a wolf, there's a wolf. And no one would listen to the messenger. Like, well, there ain't no wolf. And then one day a wolf really shows up and uh, they cry wolf, like, ah, oh, wolf. And everyone's like, there's no wolf. And then the wolf really was there. So uh, I think the story was probably told more eloquently by your uh, elementary school teacher. But uh, Paul reminded me of that with the GIE. I know for months, You've been hearing me and Naylor and Fullerton and others saying, guys, you got to get on top of GIE. You got to get on top of GIE because we've all been there and we understand supply and demand and that the hotels really do uh, fill up. And so here we are, you know, a few weeks out from the show and people are scrambling, procrastinating, calling. And then they're like, yeah, we're sold out. We're sold out. We're sold out. We're sold out. And then you're looking, you're like, red roof in. Oh no, man. You call them. Come on down. Come on in to the red roof in. We'll, we'll, take, we'll gladly take you. We got the, uh, anyway, uh, it was funny. I was actually at the pool one day, uh, this was last summer and uh, there's a bunch of neighbors and, you know, socializing, hanging out and stuff. And one of the neighbors brought some, uh, one of their friends and I'm, I'm meeting this guy. you know, I could tell he's a pretty successful guy or whatever. And it was wife and they, they just, you know, I'm like, well, what's this guy do? I was just real curious. Cause I, you know, I saw their, their brand new Ford F-150 and I knew his wife made big money and he's like, oh yeah, I work at Red Roof Inn. He's a executive there. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, I hope this guy never listens to my podcast. But uh, he was one of the, you know, the, uh, the big dogs at Red Roof Fence. I just, I was like, oh, that's great. You know, I'm sitting there thinking, oh man. But anyway, 
if you guys have not signed up yet, you got you got to make a call and uh, find yourself a, a hotel. Or I'm not sure how the whole Airbnb thing works. I've never. I, I, I don't know why I'm so skeptical of it. I'm sure it, you, if you look at the research of the social proof of where you're staying, it'd be all right. I just go into some random person's house. I'm like, uh, I don't know about that. Like I'd be looking in every closet, and I don't know a, a hotel. You know, is a little bit more streamlined if you stay at a major hotel. It's the safe, not that it's completely safe. You still have to use a lot of wisdom, but I get, I think you get what I'm saying. So you got to get in where you fit in if you want to go at this point. And uh, on your registration, where I can help you out is I can still save you 50% off when you use the promo code Paul uh, to register for this year's GIE Plus Expo, the 2021 trade show. I know in podcast land, someone might be listening. It's a whole nother year when you're finding the show and going on a binge. Uh, it's always excited to get exciting to get those messages and people saying, hey, found the show, been binging. Uh, makes me feel really good. But we can get you 50% off your registration with promo code Paul. Right now, I believe prices are $40. So with promo code Paul, they'll deduct it down to $20. Mr. Producer will put that link in today's show notes. We'd love to meet you there at the GIE Plus Expo. So thanks again to Paul Kamara, to Gulf Coast Bookkeeping and GPS Track It. All the links will be in today's show notes. And uh, you can just click in there to sign up for GIE. And uh, we will catch you, Lord willing, on tomorrow's program. Smash that follow. And uh, we'll hope to catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening. This has been a Jameson Media and Mr. Producer production.